Danielle Ali is an educator in Trinidad who is deeply committed to school improvement and adding value through her contributions in the field of education. I first met Danielle when I traveled to Trinidad and Tobago in 2015 to deliver professional development workshops as part of the Canadian Teachers Federation's project overseas. In this episode, Danielle tells us all about the school system in Trinidad and Tobago and shares her passion for school improvement and ongoing professional learning. It's jam-packed with interesting information about what school looks like in this island country, and we know you'll find Danielle totally inspiring as she shares about her career and her commitment to making a difference. Coming to you from the southwestern corner of Manitoba, sharing fresh perspectives from real educators. Tune in as teachers relate their stories of professional learning, classroom practice, and the challenges they've overcome to teach like a boss. I'm so excited to welcome Danielle to the podcast. Thank you so much for being here with me today, Danielle. No problem. Thanks for having me. I always like to start off with our four quick opening questions, just so our listeners can get to know you a little bit better. And the first thing I want to ask you is, what are you reading right now? Ah, right now, I'm actually reading a collection of short stories. Uh, I believe it's Where There Are Monsters by Brianne McIver, who is actually an author in Trinidad and Tobago. And I believe the months of May, yes, I could be wrong, but I believe it's uh, all about reading Caribbean novels this month. So it's a promotion. So I'm trying my best to read Caribbean. Okay, I'll have to look that one up. Um, What are you watching right now? Unfortunately, I'm not really watching anything. To be honest, um, after being online for so long, I look forward to just um, not looking at a screen, any type of screen, be it on my phone, on the television. So I actually go to the, the books, the physical books to read. So if I have to say what I'm watching, maybe the news, that's about it. Until the news gets so depressing, you don't want to watch that anymore either. (laughs) Yes, actually just yesterday, I think um, I was looking at the the health, the COVID updates in my country. I was looking at my my prime minister, Dr. Keith Rowley, and I I think I got a bit of anxiety while looking at it. And we are now back into somewhat of a a lockdown. Um, Yes, all major stores are closed and um, only the groceries and food places are open to purchase things. So it's back to cooking. So back to cooking. Well, that leads very nicely into my next question. What's What's a typical school day lunch like for you? What do you usually eat for lunch? Ah, so um, during COVID or before COVID? (laughs) Uh, Okay, well, tell us before, because I bet it's something really yummy. Well, actually, before COVID, um, I'll usually start off Mondays with um, Sunday lunch leftovers. That's a popular thing uh, in Trinidad. I believe it's a Caribbean thing where we cook a huge feast on Sunday. So we always have leftovers um, on the Monday. So things like macaroni pie, stew chicken, fresh green salad, stew peas, callaloo, 
the wicks, all the lovely Trini food. That's what I would normally have on a Monday. And then by Tuesday, it might turn into a, a sandwich, again, with maybe less leftover meat from Sunday. And then, uh, um, I'm embarrassed to say, but I run away and I buy lunch. <laughs> um, sometimes I might pick up um, some sushi on the go, or I may just purchase um, food in a nearby um, shop close to the school. Mm -hmm. So, so that's lunch, and of course, I always welcome lunch from my coworkers when they have to share. I always welcome it. But we actually used to look forward to lunchtime, especially when we don't have any clubs. We're not in charge of any clubs during the lunchtime. Um, it's just that moment to step out of the compound, get, catch our breath, and then return with some energy to continue for the day. So. That's my routine. That lunch, that lunch break is so important. Yes, it is. Okay, last um, quick question. What do you usually wear to school? <sighs> I think I'm more of a shirt and a pants type of girl. Yeah, some days I wear dresses. I have one one today. Um, but usually a shirt and a pants. And I usually wear um, longer shirts and pants that are, you know, linen pants, cotton pants. Um, as you know, the climate here isn't the best. We, we are hot all the time. So not all of the classrooms are air conditioned. So I try to dress to suit um, the classes that I have for the day. So if I am teaching upper school, which thankfully is air conditioned, I can dress up a little bit more, but once I know I'm teaching lower school and I'll be in a classroom with just a fan, I tend to wear cotton and linen. Just to stay cool. Mm -hmm. Well, that is not a typical problem we have in Canada, given how different our climate is from yours. Yes, true. Okay, what is your current role in education and what's a typical day at school like for you? Okay, um, right now I am a teacher three for English language arts, which means um, I can be asked to teach, uh, well, we have form one straight up to form six, which I'll say average from age 12 to 18. All right, and I can be asked to teach um, English language, or I can be asked to teach literature in English as well as communication studies. Uh, right now, I'm currently just teaching um, English language. I miss teaching the literature, um, but the focus now is on language. And what and do you mean by English language, Danielle? Um, English is everyone's first language in Trinidad and Tobago, right? Yes, it's the official language, but um, when, when you were here with me, of course, we have our Trini dialect and most of our students, they tend to assume that, well, I speak English. And I'm like, well, no, because the, the structure of the grammar, the rules are different. Um, so we tend to over-exaggerate and we tend to leave out um, some verbs when we are speaking our, our Trini, Trini dialect. So, Actually, subject and verb agreement is one of the main lessons I have to repeat from form one, go straight up to form six, 
um, because it's not part of our Trini dialect. Uh, when we teach the English language, the rules of English, uh, we have to focus on certain topics. Okay, I see. So that's kind of how the difference is between English language and then focusing on literature as well. Yes, yes. Kind of literature is focusing on prose, poetry, drama. Okay, so a typical school day when you're not on a lockdown away from your students, what does that look like? How long are your classes? What time does the day start? Mm. All right, um, so it varies again. So for upper school, we have one hour sessions and they have 20 minutes break between each session. They have about five sessions a day. Lower school, they have five sessions as well, but their sessions are 40 minutes. Sorry, they have six sessions, but they have 40 minutes um, per session and they still have that 20 minute break. Um, in the secondary school system here, we have something called non-contact hours. So it does not mean that I'm teaching or I'm live with the children. Um, I'm not with them synchronously for the five sessions throughout the day. Some days I may go live for three sessions, sometimes two. And if I'm lucky, just one. So the rest of the time would be considered prep time? Yes, planning and assessment of course, and we also have other duties like form teacher duties. And especially be, especially now um, that has increased because uh, I'm not sure what it's like for you, but um, when the students go missing, we don't see them for the day. Every day we kind of have to do a little checkup, call the parents, see what's going on. It would be nice if the parents send, um, you know, a little excuse um, saying that the students aren't here, but we really have to, um, to get the children working, we have to check up on them all the time. So it's planning work, doing assessments, and checking in on parents. And um, yeah, that's basically it. So lots of administrative kind of tasks and preparation. Yes. Okay. So as you shared with me last week, and you spoke to at the beginning of our podcast, Trinidad and Tobago has gone into a full lockdown at the moment. So how is that impacting education in your country? What's happening? We are all online and um, we hope that everyone will be online soon. Um, of course, we have been, hmm, let's, let's say trying our best to ensure that every child has a device. So there are programs in place for um, students whose parents can't afford devices for them to get devices. Of course, it's not perfect. And there are still a few without devices. As we speak, students are collecting devices so that they can join us online. Um, but for the past year in the interim, what we had was a system of doing packages as well mm -hmm. to cater to the students without access. Um, because what we realize sometimes you give them the device and if they do not have access to the internet, um, that's another problem, All right. So the internet is not free. The parents will have to pay for the package. And while schools may have internet, because the school is close to students, I mean, if they come into the school, there's no one to supervise them and ensure 
that they follow the COVID-19 protocols. Even though we have internet at school, the, the children still can't come in. There was a provision made for um, our students who are about to write examinations. Um, so some of them came in, in the past few months, but now that is almost completely locked down. Now we are on, we only go to school if absolutely necessary. So there are a few students who did not get to complete the practical part of their um, examination. So they are the only ones who should be on the compound right now, other than the principal and the vice principal. That sounds very similar to what we went through in Canada this time last year. Um, okay. We did like actual paper take home learning packages. Then there was also online learning, but again, lots of disparity in access to devices. And most families have internet here, but since we're in a rural area, the internet is often really poor. So mm -hmm. I, think, I think lots of similarities with what you're describing. So most of our listeners for this podcast are from Canada, and I'm sure they are all really curious about the education system in the Caribbean. Now, I was really fortunate to spend some time in Trinidad and Tobago, but I'm curious too, does each island country in the Caribbean have its own curricula or do you use a shared curriculum? Um, we use a shared curriculum when it comes to the um, Caribbean secondary school examinations, right? So we have a Caribbean wide, um, I'm not sure if you all know about O levels and A levels. Is that a British thing like the UK? Yes, it is. It is actually. So before we had my nephews. Right. So um, students around age uh, 16, 17 will write O levels, those around age 18, sometimes 19 will write the advanced level exam. So we have our own version of that, and that is Caribbean wide. So that um, syllabus is shared throughout the entire Caribbean. But when it comes to lower school in secondary system, and I believe the primary school system as well, I can speak for Trinidad, we have our own curriculum here. Your own curriculum, okay. Yes. Thank you for answering that. that um satisfies my curiosity as well. Mm -hmm. Okay, um, what about standardized assessments? Like you're talking about O levels and A level levels in high school. Are there any other standardized assessments that take place at the secondary level? Yes, um, that actually stopped with COVID. Um, before that, um, when the students reached the third form, the third level in secondary school, um, they have an exam. And that exam basically gives us an idea of uh, where we are at and how much work we have to do with them to get them to where they need to be. Um, they also kind of use it to, you know, check up on schools, see what schools may need extra help um, in certain areas based on the standardized tests. So I can yeah. more, I can speak to the secondary school more than the primary school, mm -hmm. but. Um, I believe the primary school have a similar system, but I'm not 100% sure. How do teachers feel about those standardized assessments? Like often in like Manitoba and Canada, you might hear about they're maybe not well received by teachers or sometimes some teacher pushback on them. Is there a similar situation in Trinidad and Tobago? 
Yes, there is. Um, not just not just the um, teachers, but I believe the, the students and sometimes the parents as well. They see it as a waste of time. Um, but if you, I believe, if the reports are shared, if the vision and the, the reason for having it, and you actually use the data to help the students move forward, maybe they might buy into it a little bit more. But as it is, some people just see it as a way to measure the schools and compare them. Rather than actually using the data to improve student outcomes and learning. Mm -hmm. Yes. Okay, a few more questions about your education system. Um, what is your school year calendar? When does school start for the year and when does it end? It starts in September and ends in the first week in July. So first week in September to the first week in July. So and we have, uh-huh. Oh, sorry, what about school holidays or breaks? When are those? All right, so we have our, so from September to, we go from September to December. That's actually the longest um, term. And then we have a Christmas break for three weeks. And then we go to um, Easter break for two weeks. And then we have our va most valuable, and we really need it, our July, August vacation. We don't call it summer because it's like summer all year round here. We call it our July, August vacation where we have approximate seven, seven weeks for us as teachers, but students tend to enjoy eight weeks. Yes, that July, August break is definitely the best. Um, okay, two more questions about the education system where you are. Um, how big are class sizes? And is it a kindergarten to grade 12 system or what ages are students in the system? Okay, so we have um, free access to education from preschool. So preschool. I believe, yes, I believe from as young as three years old, you can access it, but I think it's officially it's from four years old and um, it takes you all the way to as old as 19. So we have our preschool system our primary school system, which will include kindergarten, those that are five years old, and they tend to call it big school when they move from preschool into kindergarten, it's separate schools. And then from age 11, 12, they move on into what we call the secondary school system. They can leave around age 16, 17, and those who choose to do the advanced level exams, um, which can take you into the university the, that takes you to age 19. Okay, and class sizes, what's a typical class size in the secondary system for you? Ah, well, I've taught in one, two, three. I've taught in four secondary schools um, so far, and um, it varies. So I would say as small as 20, to as many as 40 students per class. It now, all depends on where the school is and the demand. Okay, now when I knew you in Trinidad, I believe at that time you were teaching in an all-girls school? Yes, I was. A Muslim all-girls school? Yes. Are you still there? No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, we never spoke about that one. So um, I 
actually got an opportunity to transfer to a government school, um, which is COED, in 2019. And it happened to be um, my alma mater. I went to that school before. So I took the opportunity to go and return to the school I came from to see what I can do to, to help. Um, it's not one of the, it's not a school that people um, put on their choice of schools they want to go to. Um, but definitely we have a lot to offer and it's a work in progress to try to improve the image of the school and ensure that the students know that they can be whatever they want to be. It doesn't matter what school they go to. So that's my new, my new task right now that I'm so excited about and then COVID came, but we're still trying. Well, and I know that school will be very lucky to have you and school improvement is a passion of yours, isn't it? Yes, it is. It so is. Um, I believe, you know, wherever you go, you should add value. Um, so if I, if I go to the school and it's where it's at, there's always something I can do to help make it better. And that's my goal. That's what I plan to do. So would you have any specific recommendations for teachers interested in making things better and adding value? Like what are, what are you doing personally right now? What's kind of your own personal mission? Well, actually just, just keeping positive. And I believe that change starts with conversation like we're having right now. So you build relationships, you share that vision, you talk about it and you actually do things. And eventually um, when other people around you, they see you working, some of them may gravitate towards you. Some of them will ask if they can help, which happened actually in my school. All right, so when I came in and I had some ideas, many people were like, you're wasting your time. Don't bother to do that. Um, you're basically just wasting your time. And I'm like, nope, I came here. This is what I want to do. I have a very supportive principal and vice principal, right? And I shared some of my ideas with them. They gave me the go ahead. I ran with it. And now we have a, a group of teachers who are kind of like cheerleaders for the school. And um, we are working on some projects and really trying to improve the image of the school. That's the most important thing because if you are not proud of where you come from, um, I, I don't know what you're doing. So we're really trying to get the children to be proud. So we actually reached out to some past students who were successful, who are successful actually, and we're sharing their stories online. We're doing little um, videos with teachers dancing and stuff just to get the children excited and um, about online school. We don't want them to think it's just about, you know, coming and staring at a screen whole day. We're trying to make it interesting and exciting so that they will want to learn and hopefully be successful like the others who came before them that they probably didn't know about before. I love how you're highlighting some um, alumni of the school and really using them as role models. And you just said a couple of things that really, really resonated with me. I love how you shared that change begins with conversation, like very much at the micro level, right? It's not huge grand things. It's very much conversations between educators. Um, it seems like you're really leading by example for your colleagues. 
And it just reminds me of that Margaret Mead quotation, never doubt that a small group of committed people can change the world. Indeed, it is the only thing that ever has. To paraphrase, <laughs> not exactly right. But that just sounds so much like what you're doing right now. Mm -hmm. Oh, it sounds like exciting work that you're very passionate about. It, it is, it is. Okay, a couple more questions I wanna ask about the school system. Um, you mentioned clubs. What athletic sports extracurriculars go on in your school building? Okay, well, um, somehow I feel my school tends to focus a little bit more on what we call VAPA, which is um, vocal, visual, no, sorry, visual. Oh, I forgot what the acronym stands for, but the arts, performing arts, right? Um, so PAN is a big thing in my school. So they actually learn how to make the pan, how to manufacture the pans, and they learn how to play the pan, right? So that's a big, so it's more like music. The dance, dance is a big thing in my school as well, right? They have their own dance room. And even on lunch times, the dance teacher have to <laughs> say, sorry, no more, because the students, they all gravitate towards that area and everybody wants to, to dance. They look forward to any program that we're having in school because they want to be on the stage performing. So it's more about performing arts, I would say. I know we have some footballers, but in, in, in Trinidad and Tobago, it tends to be um, competitive among schools. So we may have some really good footballers, but because our school may not be considered you know, the best school that someone would want to go to. We have what we call social, um, so-called prestige schools in Trinidad. And once they realize that this young man or this young lady is a great footballer, they will offer them a transfer and take our, the, our best athletes away from us. And that happens in the public school system, Danielle? Like these prestige schools are still public schools? Yes, but in Trinidad, we have um, religious board schools. So it's run by the religious board, but funded by the government as well. So it's a, a, an agreement between the religious board and the state. And are those the prestige schools often? Some of them. We have a few government secondary schools that will be considered prestige. The prestige comes from um, the what we call the SEA exam that happens around age 11 and 12 for them to get into secondary school. So the type of schools that they will choose for first place or second place, those are the schools that they consider prestige and trainees tend to measure it on um, the number of scholarships that the school, um, you know, can get at the end of the exams every year. Okay. So you have some, some schools that may get as many as 25 national or open scholarships. So everybody will be like, wow, that's the school to go to. So okay, of I course- I have no idea that that many scholarships played, um, played into that, wow. Mm -hmm. Yes, so in Trinidad, the students have a lot of, you know, the, the opportunities there, education is free, they have the textbook rental program. Um, they just have to want to succeed. They have to want to do the work and everything is there for them. So 
Now, how involved are parents in their children's education typically? What do you find? My old school or my new school? <laughs> well, you could tell me about so both. Um, it's a mixed year. It's, it really is a, a mixed year. Um, some parents are there with their child. They are involved. Um, they keep open communication with me um, as their child's form teacher. And we do projects together because I like to, I love to work with parents for school improvement. And um, then there are those who we basically have to run down and at, at the end of the week, I have to call and be like, hey, um, we didn't see so-and-so in class this week, what's going on, all right? Um, so it's a mixture. It's a, it's a joy and it's a, a challenge at the same time. So I'm really grateful for the parents that are present, who contribute and who are willing to work with us. And more than likely, uh, their student, their children are the ones who um, come out successful. Of course, they are the few who come from homes where they don't have that much support and they still come out successful. But parent involvement is extremely important. If the parents aren't interested and the children aren't intrinsically motivated, then we have problems, especially now where they are home and some of them, they are creative. They find ways to trick their parents into believing that they are in school when they aren't. So I recently <laughs> found that out. So they're in class, but they are probably playing a game with their friends on another page. Yeah, I don't think that's a unique problem to Trinidad and Tobago, Daniel. Yes, I think that's just uh, young people all over. Now, you mentioned that you love to partner with parents on school improvement. Um, mm -hmm. What role can parents play in school improvement? How do you work with parents for school improvement? Okay, so again, open communication. Um, so they have access to me, well, not 24 seven, but I, I, before COVID, I actually used the Remind app and I love that app because they can um, connect with me and I can set my office hours. If I remember something late at night, I can set when the reminder will come. So it's not like I'm messaging parents while 10, 12 p.m. at night. So it was a really good tool, um, however, during COVID, I had to switch over to WhatsApp just to reach more parents. Um, a lot of them complained about not having enough um, storage on their phone. So most Trinidadians tend to use WhatsApp. So I just had to use that. But the key thing is communication, keeping in contact with them, sharing the idea, the ideas that you have, asking them, you know, what their concerns are, what they would like to see and making them part of the community, showing them that um, they have a voice as well and getting them to buy into the projects. So um, some, well, in my previous school, I did not do this in this school. Um, we had um, PLCs for school improvement, um, professional learning communities, which consisted of um, teachers like myself, students, parents, administration and together we will highlight 
you know, some of the areas that need improvement in the school and just through conversation, going to the literature, finding what works in other schools. Of course, because it's Trinidad, we have to adapt it to our context and we adapt it, but just having them there, part of that meeting, allowing them to have a voice, not just the parents, the students as well, they really buy in to the project. And to me, those are the most successful projects ever. That is really interesting that with your professional learning communities, you're including stakeholders other than just teachers and administrators. So you're bringing in um, like parents, community members, and students to your work <laughs> on school improvement and approaching it through a professional learning community. Yes, but that's at a whole school level. So that's when we're looking at whole school improvement. Mm -hmm. Now, Danielle, that kind of leads into my next question. What does professional learning look like for teachers in Trinidad and Tobago? Are there, do you go to conferences? Is there lots of teacher learning happening online? Does your school or does the government plan professional learning? Tell me about professional learning for teachers. Oh, okay, so um, we normally have um, free workshops during the July, August vacation that any teacher can uh, apply for. Apart from that, during um, the terms that we have, there will be workshops as well. However, um, because school is um, taking place, what would normally happen, um, one volunteer or representative would go to that workshop and the hope is that they will return to the school and then share with us at school. Now that in this COVID environment, we have a lot, I think too much. Um, I'm a bit overwhelmed, um, but they said we don't have to do all. We can choose the ones um, we're interested in. So we have professional learning courses online um, that we can take part in. I believe we have some Commonwealth um, courses, free Commonwealth courses that we can, can use. So at the start, of COVID-19, of course I did a whole lot trying to, you know, readjust. Some of it was revision and some things I learned um, to get me ready for online learning. And I think I'm still learning. So that's what we have here in Trinidad. I think we all are. And when you say Commonwealth courses, what do you mean by Commonwealth? I guess, again, it's a British thing, I believe. Um, former former colonies of the British mm -hmm. Empire. Okay. Right? So yeah. it's so it's not yeah. just so it's not just the Caribbean. So there'll be um a lot of African countries are part of the Commonwealth as well. Yes. Okay. So Canada. I can find myself in a course with a, a teacher from let's say Nigeria. Well and I believe Canada is considered a Commonwealth country as well too. Right. I just we've I've never access courses like that before. So I was curious. Okay, okay you mentioned some um, that you had used Remind, the Remind app for connecting with parents before. Um, as far as other technology goes, do you integrate a lot of technology into your teaching? Um, I believe I do. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> I try, I try, I try to. I know I learned a lot from the course I did. For, I learned a lot from you when you came um, to Trinidad for this special education workshop. Mm -hmm. um, 
So I have been integrating since then. And actually, I, I must actually say thanks so much because of what I learned in 2015, I implemented it in my class. So I actually was doing a sort of blended learning before. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't say it was perfect, but I tried. So I used Padlet, I used Weebly. Um, I think I, I used Edmodo. And now that I'm fully online, my school is using the G Suite for education. So everything is um, on Google Classroom. That's very similar to what happens here in Manitoba. Most school divisions are either using Microsoft Teams or Google for education. Yes, some, some are using Microsoft Teams as well because actually our work, our official email um, from the Ministry of Education is um, Microsoft Teams. But um, I think they were, I don't think it was fully ready as yet when COVID just came in and um, my principal did not want to wait and um, she was proactive and she got G Suite for our school. So everybody's on with that. It makes it easier when it's one common platform at least too. Yes, it's easier for the students. But apart from that, um, while they are um, in Google Meet and in Google Classroom with me, yes, I use um, Google Forms. Um, I use the Jamboard, but I also found, um, um, I believe it's a website called Nearpod. Oh, I've used Nearpod before too. I, my students love Nearpod. So when they talk about um, student engagement in the online environment, somehow my students just love the Nearpod. So it's good for formative assessment as well. And they love our Kahoot days. So mm -hmm. at the end of a new topic, they look forward to that, um, the little competition. And they try to beat each other and um, they, they beg for more and more Kahoots. And I have to remind them, well, we have to learn something new before the next one. Yeah. Well, it sounds like it is motivating for them. Kahoot can be lots of fun. Yes. So Danielle, um, you talk lots about school improvement, but it seems to me like you're the kind of person who's always involved in continuous improvement of your own qualifications. And you have a really impressive list of credentials. When I first met you in 2015, I think you'd already completed one master's degree then. And tell our listeners more about what you've been studying and why. Okay, so after that um, master's, um, I did what we call a postgraduate diploma in the teaching of English um, because I am an English teacher. And, you know, um, a lot of people is like, um, why are you doing that? You've been teaching English for so long. You're supposed to know how to do it already. But I actually learned so, so much. And as, as you said, yes, I'm always looking for ways to improve. I will say that I am intrinsically motivated. So, um, I go for it, but that actually is a requirement for promotion in my country. <laughs> so that was um, another motivation factor as well. Um, then I proceeded to do the Masters in Educational Leadership simply because it's not a requirement for promotion. Um, all you need is um, uh, 
master's level, I guess if you reach to be a principal, it is considered and you get additional points for it, but it's not um, mandatory that you have it. But I'm always looking for ways to improve. I don't like to just feel as though, you know, um, this is all I can do. The education system is not perfect. I want to make an impact. I want, um, yes, I would love to be given the opportunity to make an impact um, in my country and maybe even globally at some point. Um, so that was my motivation for making that step. And what was right your now, first, What was your first master's degree in, Danielle? Sorry to interrupt. Uh, it, it was in new media and society. So my bachelor's is actually in communication studies. I did not um, start off thinking I'm going to be a teacher. Um, my goal was actually to be a news anchor woman. Um, I wanted to go into mass communication. So even though I started teaching, I still said, you know what, let me still explore um, what the, the communication world, right? I did work in communication before, but as they say, sometimes when you get into teaching, it hooks you and you just can't leave. Um, just the thoughts about leaving, it's a bit depressing. Um, I feel fulfilled. So it's not just a job, it's not just a paycheck. I feel as though my life has meaning and I'm making um, some sort of difference. I think very clearly you are when you describe the work you're doing for school improvement and the connections you're making with, with colleagues and parents and your students too. Yes. Danielle, if someone wants to become a teacher, what is the typical route to teacher certification in Trinidad and Tobago? Um, at, it depends at the, the level you would like to teach. Um, but I'd say to get a bachelor's degree in education, if not in education, um, for secondary school, a specified subject area, always check with the curriculum department to ensure that the program that you're signing up to do covers all the areas that um, curriculum uh, require when they assess you to teach. And then of course, you have to do the postgraduate diploma in education as well. Okay, so, so I guess it's a bachelor's and the postgraduate diploma. Okay, well, that is fairly similar to what happens in Manitoba too. Like teachers do a three-year bachelor's degree. And mm -hmm. if they're planning on teaching high school, they might do a specialty like math or sciences or something like that. And then they do a two-year after degree program. Okay, but ours is slightly different. So there's a bachelor's in education for primary school. So that degree actually focuses on primary school. Secondary school teachers, we focus on our subject areas and then we do the postgraduate diploma in okay. teaching. So that's okay, a slight that difference sense. there. Now, one more question about the teaching profession till we move on to travel. Um, I know the teachers are unionized in Trinidad and Tobago because it was the teachers union that participated in that Canadian Teachers Federation program that brought me yes. to Trinidad. How great of a role does the teachers union play in supporting teachers? Well, um, hmm. 
So the union is there. Uh-huh. Just to share with you, like in Manitoba, for example, um, our teachers union would bargain with our school division for our contract and negotiate our benefits and our wage and that kind of thing. So I was just curious about what involvement the teachers union had in Trinidad. Yes, so the, the teachers union, um, I believe they have weekly, if not bi-weekly meetings with um, the Minister of Education, the Permanent Secretary. Um, they also, we also do negotiation um, for the teachers as well. Um, we also have an industrial relations department, which, um, you know, that's there for the teachers. If any um, issues come up, if any disciplinary action and stuff comes up, um, that department is there. We also have the professional advancement committee that focuses on uh, helping teachers, training teachers, preparing them for promotion. And uh, yeah, we also have our social committee as well that caters to the social needs of, of teachers as well. So I would like to say that, yes, we are pretty much involved um, in teachers' lives. Yeah. And are you still involved with the teachers union, Danielle? Like when I knew you, you were you were on the social committee, weren't you? Um, yes, I was. Um, I'm still very much involved. Right now, I'm currently um, a member of the industrial relations committee. Um, so you may have seen. I got. I actually got a scholarship from the union to study labor studies at Cipriani Labor College in Trinidad and Tobago. So um, that's the area I'm helping in right now. So it's a little bit more technical, mm -hmm. um, but of course, um, if we don't feel secure in our jobs, um, then uh, we may not be, you know, the best that we can be, right? So the industrial relations department is there to ensure that, you know, we, our rights are kept, that we still have our rights, and of course, the professional advancement committee is there to ensure that we remember our responsibilities. So it's not just about fighting for our rights, but it's also doing the best that we can for our students. Well, I think those are some really wise words and I think they'll resonate with Manitoba teachers too. If we don't feel secure and supported in our jobs, we, we can't be the best teachers that we can be. So it sounds like your union does play a really important role. Okay, well, let's switch gears a little bit. We've been having some pretty serious conversation, but I just, I thought people would really want to understand the structure of education in Trinidad and Tobago. Mm -hmm. So I, I absolutely love the time that I spent um, in your beautiful island country and definitely one of, one of my highlights of all of my travels. And prior to the pandemic, I know that you love to travel too. So could you share with our listeners some of, the places that you've traveled and enjoyed? Okay, so um, as you know, I didn't make it to Canada as yet, um, but I've been to the United States, I've been to England, I've been to Caribbean islands, and I've been as far as Norway. Um, I think that's the furthest I've ever been. Um, out of all of them, I love the beach. I love the ocean and while Trinidad and Tobago is beautiful, I would say Barbados is by far my favorite, right? I, I wish I could be there right now, actually. 
You and me both. <laughs> now, what places are on your travel bucket list? So when you can start traveling again, where are the places you really want to go? Um, uh, my goal really is to visit every single Caribbean island simply because I love the ocean. Um, so, so yeah, I would say to visit all the islands of the Caribbean. I know it seems like I, I'm not willing to go to go far. I mean, yes, I've, I've gone to other places before, um, but somehow all, when I think of vacation, I just think of sand and sea. And so that's what I look forward to the most. And you live in a beautiful part of the world. So why not explore every single you know, corner of it? Yes. So you have been very busy with all of your different studies, your involvement in the teachers union, plus your teaching responsibilities. How do you take care of yourself mentally and physically? I have meetings, all right? So um, sometimes I just sign off from everything and I just do whatever I feel like doing. It, it might sound lazy, um, but I believe I deserve to sleep in and not have an alarm sometimes. I believe I deserve to just wake up, eat something, and then curl back in bed, read a book, watch, watch TV. So those are the things I do um, to kind of like make sure that I am where I should be mentally. I also cherish um, my, my friends especially my friends in the profession. Sometimes we all need to just vent and get things out. I miss my lunch times. I miss recess. I miss the breaks when we're passing all coworkers and just, um, you know, just telling them something that happened. Not that we want them to give us a solution, but just to get it off your chest that, you know, this happened is really frustrating, but I need to recharge and get back in there. So, I guess keeping that communication with my friends and having my me days and going into my world of, of books, whatever book I'm reading, I really go into that world and I just tune, tune off. Well, your me days sound absolutely delightful. Yes, it usually involves takeaway. <laughs> well, it wouldn't be a me day if you had to cook and prepare meals. So I completely agree with you. Um, does finding balance in your work and personal life come easily to you or is it something that you're always striving to achieve that balance? Yeah, actually recently, I think I am finally able to find some sort of balance. Um, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say that I was extremely stressed or probably just a month or two ago. And I decided, you know what, at the end of the school day, I need to close the laptop. I need to move away from everything that looks like work. The only thing I couldn't move away too much is from my phone. Of course, I had to use WhatsApp to communicate uh, with parents, with teachers, with administration. So sometimes I'd still see messages coming up um, on the phone, but I basically taught myself that it's okay to ignore the message until the next day. 
And my next plan really is to get a new number. So I'd probably keep this one as my work number and have a private number. So the same way I close the laptop for the day, I can put my work phone down for the day and just, um, you know, focus on me time, family time, all right? And I know um, it's COVID, we're not moving around as much as we'd like to, but even my mom, she just called me the other day and she's like, she's not seeing me, what's going on? And um, I was like, you know, well, I'm busy marking. And then I, I caught myself, and I'm like, wait, I'm not going to have my, my parents forever. I need to cherish this time. I need to make time for my family, my friends, my husband and myself. So that's what I've been doing for, I think the past, yeah, past few weeks, maybe a month or more. And it seems to be working. So I just need to work on the phone issue so that way I can really log off from school as I would before, prior to COVID. When I leave the schoolyard, I leave. Although to, um, I think I still used to do some work at home. Mm -hmm. um, but but, but um, I really need to um, just to step away a little bit because I'm, I'm, I think I'm probably um, not as creative as I used to be simply because I needed I need a break. I need I need I need the ocean. I need a vacation. Some vitamin C. <laughs> yes. Well, it sounds like you've got some good boundaries in place, Danielle, and you're moving in the right direction and finding that work-life balance. I think those are all strategies that we can learn from. Mm -hmm. Okay, what does the future hold for you? In 20 years, where would you like to be? Wow, I haven't thought about it. Um, in 20 years, I would like to be... Um, I'll be bold, I'll say it. I'd, I'd love to be the principal of a school, but I'm thinking, how old would I be in 20 years? <laughs> I'd, prob I'd probably uh, be, be, yeah, I'd like to look back at my life and be like, you know, I did it my way. I did the best that I can. I was able to contribute so much and uh, yeah, I plan to look back at my life and be, be proud of it in 20 years to come. And I hope in 20 years to come, hopefully I can have my own little spot on the beach and you come and visit me. I would love that. Count me in. Yes, that's my retirement plan. Sounds like an excellent one. What is one thing that you wish you had known when you first started teaching? Oh, wow. I think I was talking about this with my friend, uh, was it last week? Um, the fact that you can't save everyone, you can't help everyone. You can try and keep trying, but you're not going to, um, you're not going to be able to, to help every child be successful. At some point they have to want it as well. So I believe that th that belief and that, that drive to get every child to succeed probably almost pushed me over the edge and I had to catch myself and be like, you know what? You try, you do the best you can. At some point in time, 
you will fail, you may fail more than once, but just continue to try and accept the fact that you can't save everyone. I think that's what I'll tell. I wish I knew before. Yeah, that is a really important lesson. And I think we only learn that through experience and, and, and failure and of course some successes too. But yeah, that's wonderful advice. You mentioned earlier that you might be interested in starting a platform or a presence on social media to foster that connection among your colleagues. Um, tell me a little bit more about that. All right, so I'm actually still thinking, thinking about it. Um, what I realized, um, and this is while doing the master's in education, um, educational leadership, my cohort, my classmates, we had such a connection and we would share when things come up, you know, we can say, you know what, this is what's happening in my school. Do you have any advice? And everyone would share. And we realized that while we do research online to find out what works, there isn't really a platform for what works for schools in Trinidad and Tobago and even so the Caribbean. And maybe, just maybe, it may make sense if um, we share, we share our projects um, that we do because once you do the postgraduate diploma in education, you would have done some sort of action research, but it's not shared openly. Um, unless I go to the University of the West Indies and I search for it because I'm doing um, a specific study. But what about um, something not so formal, all right? Have a platform. I have a, an issue, something happening in my classroom. I should be able to just go online, type in some keywords and, you know, read a short article about um, maybe the same problem in another school and what they did and if it worked and if it didn't work, um, you know, what they did after, just to learn from each other within our um, context in Trinidad and Tobago. So that, that's really the idea. I think that's a really fantastic idea. And I don't really think we have anything like that available in Manitoba either. So. I think there's a real need for something like that. Mm -hmm. Well, if you take those steps forward with your idea, please keep me informed because of course I, will. I would love to access it and then of course share it with, with my teacher connections. Mm -hmm. Danielle, it has just been such a delight talking to you. If any of our listeners want to connect with you after the podcast, how would they do that? Um, they can send me an email, I guess. They could send you an email. Um, so if they just connected with me or commented on the podcast, I could connect them with you. Yes, you can. And are you active as an educator on any social media platforms for people might find you? Um, not any open social media. No, they're all closed and private. Yeah. And that's an important boundary to have too. So thank you so much for being here today, Danielle. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thanks so much. It was really nice talking to you as well after so many years. Thank you for tuning in. Any of the resources or information mentioned in this podcast can be found in this episode's show notes available at www.flbsd.com.
www.mv.ca forward slash podcast. Join us next time as real teachers continue to share their journeys and inspire you to teach like a boss.